have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the G-Man, Glenn Stansberry. <laughs> That's right, kids. G-Man. Enforcing the, uh, enforcing the law. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast law. That's right. Of diminishing returns. Yep. Um, speaking of diminishing returns, Glenn, mm-hmm. we are co-founder of a site called Gentleman.com. Gentleman.com. <laughs> Has diminishing returns on your productivity. Yes. Diminishing returns on your productivity. Sorry, my mind <laughs> failed me in that instance. Was it diminishing? Uh, my mind was diminishing there because I was thinking about something else. But um, yeah, your productivity will go down. Your intelligence will go up. Your fun level will go up. That's right. Your um, zest for life mm. will improve immensely. Vigor, zeal. Um, all those things. We guarantee, we give a money-back guarantee that's, right. that that's what's going to happen in your life. By just visiting mm-hmm. gentleman.com. Um, so go on over there and do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, depending on how great you want your life to be. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say some people are like, oh, you know, my life's fine. You know, it doesn't have to be great. Mm-hmm. It just has to be okay. Right. I just want to get by. You know, then sure, stay on gentleman.com and don't go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But let's say you want to do a little bit more for yourself. Mm-hmm. I would suggest going over to podcast.gentleman.com where you can listen to 140 previous episodes of the Gentleman Podcast all in succession, uh, right in a row. I would not come up from air yeah. uh, when you're doing this. They're all teed up for you. It might break the flow. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you binge watch on Netflix, why can't you binge listen? Right? right. I think you could set up two, two podcasts at the same time. Oh yeah, and get through it in like a hundred hours wow. if you're listening to two at once. You got two ears. That's right. Why not use both of two them? Two sides of the brain, left that's and right. right. That's right. Three choked up to an ear. Right. I think that's how it works. Right. I think the <laughs> odd episodes are for your left ear, <laughs> yeah. and left the brain. even. Even episodes are for your right. Right. I don't want to get into the specifics, but... Um, we did that with you in mind. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> go ahead, go listen to uh, all the previous episodes of the mm-hmm. Gentleman Podcast. And once you do that, I'm sure that you're going to be confused, um, upset. You'll have questions. You'll be excited about what you just listened to. Uh, and all those emotions are totally normal and fine. Mm. Totally fine. Mm-hmm. We've seen it before. We <laughs> We've seen it all. Time and again. And uh, so once you do that, you're probably going to want to get in touch with us. And you can do so by sending a letter to the Gentleman Mailbag at P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. Uh, and there we will get your letter. We will take it. We will put it up on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know is the Hall of Fame. And uh, we'll talk about it on the Gentleman Podcast, give you a high five audi- audibly. And maybe... You know, physically. In person, if you happen to live in Lawrence, Kansas. If you live in Lawrence, Kansas. Or what's the, what's, 
like halfway between with like a, a letter, like mm. like a a, a a paper high fives, a fax. <laughs> we'll fax you a high five. <laughs> um, a facsimile machine. Yes. Oh wow. Um. Anyway, Glenn. Um. Look, there's no telling what's going to happen if you do that, and uh, if you do, please do. Please get in touch with us. Uh, if you can't send a letter to the Gentleman Mailbag, you can get in touch with us by sending an electronic mail over to howdy at gentleman.com. You could also visit a few different social networks, but we're trying to stop people from using social networks other than Gentleman, yeah. because that's the only way we can guarantee your information safe. That's right. We are not going to hack you. No. Um, but we can't say the same for the other ones. For so Facebook? Well... Listen, we have we're we're really poor data miners. I will say this: <laughs> I've read a lot of headlines about Facebook and Twitter recently. I haven't read a single headline about gentlemen. And we would know. And we would say, yeah, we would I know. Mean, we would know. We would know. Mm-hmm. So that that proofs uh, in the pudding there, right there. That's right. A delicious, delicious pudding. <laughs> um. Anyway, Glenn. Okay, well, let's move on to uh, the media episode, <laughs> which is the drink of the week this week. Well, Brian, it was my turn. So I went to our trusty local liquor store, and uh, it's getting harder and harder to pick some beers that we like um, that don't have, you know, uh, suffocating amount of hops in them. Right. Uh, so doing that is a challenge, but I'm hopeful in the next coming months because I've already started to see the Oktoberfest pop up. And that is a good time of year, my friend. I love Oktoberfest. It's August I know, but I'm just saying, we have something to look forward to. The light's at the end of the tunnel. Okay. So, in this in mind, you know, it's kind of the last, you know, gasp of summer here. It's true. Um, The dog days of summer are upon us. Right. And I don't want to give up on my light beers, our pilsners, things like that. So, I got uh, the Post Rock Pills, which is a a beer by Free State, a local um, Lawrence, Kansas brewery. And the Post Rock Pills... I can't remember the last time I've had it, so I actually don't remember what it tastes like. Me neither. So, so uh, maybe it's forgettable. I don't know. But we're going to rate it. We're going to put it through the mustache twist scale, which is our proprietary scale, and, and empirically rate what this beer is. Now, a couple of facts about the post-rock Pilsner. Um, for starters, it is 40. Excuse me. It has 41 IBUs. Whew. It's quite a bit. It's almost That's like really, a, yeah, a pale it's ale. Um, and it was eight fifty for a six pack, so right at our baseline median price range for Lawrence, mm-hmm. Kansas. Okay. Um, we haven't seen any fluctuations in a while in that in that average price, and um, so. That's good. That's good. Uh, and it is a uh, it has a pleasant malt flavor, a medium body, and a finely balanced hop character. Choice Pilsner malt combined with prized German Sefir hops. So, I should add that it looks like the alcohol by volume is around 5%. Yeah, it looks like a little over 5 maybe? Or yeah. Somewhere around there. Okay. So, you know, like a like a Pilsner. Yeah. So, with a lot of hops, which is weird. It's a little weird. So, I'm starting to get nervous for Free State. Well, I hope they don't succumb to the pressure. They're, they're also putting out the, the garden party, you know... Like vegetable beers, and cucumber, cucumber, basil beer. <laughs> Thanks. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. Yeah. I, 
go ahead. I was going to say, an important uh, thing to keep in mind if you're going to uh, drink along with us at home and you have a Free State <laughs> beer, yeah. if you happen to have a Free State beer, make sure you pour it into a glass. Yep. Because we don't know what's wrong with the capping process at Free State Brewing Company, but something's not right with it. Because when you when you take a swig out of the, the rim of the bottle, That's right. it's got like a just like a slight chemically metallic metallic kind of taste to it that really doesn't taste very good. So Brian, I'm going to add here a little interjection. Uh, if you're paying attention to the site last week, I posted a tack um, from a beer sommelier who may have the best job in the world, but anyway, beer sommelier who was talking about how. You should actually, for a couple of reasons, literally pour your beer fast and with vigor to get a bunch of foam. Really? And he was saying that um, for two reasons. One, there's like two bottles of CO2 in each beer. I don't know what a bottle is, but he said there's two bottles of CO2 in each beer. And it's either going to end up in your stomach or in the air. Oh. And he's like, he showed an example of like, because bartenders, when they pour beers... They want to pour it so there's like a thin little head on top, but they don't want it to spill out. Right. And so it kind of keeps that CO2 engaged or in, in case. But he took like a uh, a towel or something and dabbed it in there and it like foamed up everything. And mm-hmm. he's basically saying like, this is what happens when it goes in your belly and you eat something. Oh, interesting. So he's like, you should pour it all out for two reasons. For that reason and also... So get like a big glass and just quick pour? Well, it's like, well, um, it's like you pour it on the side and then like... You move to the middle and just let it like hit the middle and foam up, basically. Hmm. But anyway, it's on gentlemen. Um, but the other reason is that you actually release different flavors that you don't normally get if you keep that CO2 in. I've been pouring beers wrong. I know. My whole life. The uh, Sam Adams guy always poured his beers like that. And I kind of laughed at him. I was like, this guy. What do you like? So tip it. <laughs> tip it and then dump it. it. it it's like, yeah, you let it, you start it out hitting the side of the glass, and then as it starts to fill up, you basically just, with vigor and with, just, yeah. Drop it. But not, not it's a fine line, because when I do it, I can't, I always spill it, because it just gets too much. So you need a bigger glass. I guess so. Yeah. Okay. But, but his point was that, like, you know, foam, oh, it's bad. People say, think it's bad. He's like, foam will turn back into beer. He's like, that's fine. Yeah. It'll just, yeah. it'll just go back. You're not going to lose any beer. So. See, we're 10 minutes in the podcast, and you already learned something. <laughs> Oh, and this is important too. This is important. The of beer that this we is drink. this is a life changing situation going <laughs> right. on here. Right. Uh, wow. Wow, Glenn. Mm, well, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Yeah. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, um, let's. Uh, I guess we better. Uh, I'm going to try this pour on my next pour. Okay. But this one, I'm just going to have to go with what who dance with who brung you. That's right. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Hmm. The hops don't really... It doesn't seem that hoppy to me. No, it's not that. They say it's well-balanced, and I, I would agree with that. It's I would agree, really too. really well-balanced yeah. beer. I kind of like this one, actually. kind of like this one, actually. That's pretty good. That's, that's a pretty good Pilsner. That's a good Pilsner. It is. It really is. I've been looking for a solid Pils. It's pretty good. Solid as a rock. Right? <laughs> yeah, this is a post-rock. A post-rock. Okay. All right, Glenn, what if you had to put a, uh, just a completely arbitrary, unmeaningful uh, rating on this beer, because the, really the mustache twist scale computer, which we designed and built, uh, will tell us the real rating for this beer. But before we get there, we might as well give a, our own foolish ratings to these beers. Well, Brian, I, this is crisp and refreshing. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's really well balanced. This is an easy drinking beer. Yep. Those are not easy to come by. 
in this day and age. Nope. Uh, it, you know, so I, I think I think if I had to just put a number on, I think I would give it an eight point four. I was going to go eight point two. Okay, that might be a little low because I I kind of like this one. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'd say eight point two. That's a pretty solid score. It, it you know for uh, that's a, definitely above the median. Yep. You know of our ratings, mm-hmm. uh, I would say everything kind of falls around eight eights or so. I'm not yeah, sure. it's a good beer. That's a solid beer. That's a good beer. Okay, Glenn. Well, uh, the fact of the mm. matter is, it doesn't matter what we think. No. Uh, all no. we have to do is type some facts about this beer into the Mustache Swiss Scale computer, which, of course, is I'm sure you've heard about it. But the uh, proprietary uh, machine learning algorithm based blockchain Bitcoin uh, powered Mustache Swiss Scale computer. And I think we, we're starting to get into like, I don't want to peel back too much the kimono here right Ryan. but we've been working kind of on like a um, a data mining like uh you know health big data yeah like yeah. we'll mm-hmm. predict the health of that you will have if you drink this beer kind right of deal. right you know anyway i don't know yeah we got a lot we got a hold of a lot of health data maybe some to, uh, yeah 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 <laughs> maybe some home beer automation I yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, home brew, brew. Uh, home brew. Automation. <laughs> um, okay, Glenn. Well, let me let's just type. Let's get okay. Let's Sorry. stay on course here. Sorry. Let me type Sorry. some facts to the MTS computer, and then we'll see what happens. That's my here. bad. Uh, okay, so we said the price was eight fifty. Eight fifty. Um, forty one IBUs. Forty one IBUs. Around five percent alcohol by volume. Yep. And uh, this is a Pilsner style, uh, and it's a local Lawrence beer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that should be all the uh, facts the MTS computer needs to actually compute this, which is amazing. It really is. But you have to understand that this underlies, you know, it's got blockchain stored, data mining, machine learning uh, stuff going on. It's it's breaking artificial intelligence, breaking down the beer to its like it's elemental. It's pouring the beer on the side and then dumping it in. <laughs> it's getting the foam out. Yes. Okay, well, I'm going to go grab the report because it sounds like it's done printing from our uh, proprietary printer that actually, as you can see, right. binds and adds a cover to it yeah. and, and the whole process. I mean, these reports are beautiful. I've got a whole wall full of them. It's a really nice touch. Yeah, there's... TPS of, reports. It's, it's basically like Encyclopedia Britannica. You yeah, that? you know. I was thinking more like Office Space. You know, like the TPS yeah. reports I have to make. Yeah, it's beautiful. But anyway, well, sometime I'll take a picture of that. Uh, the many MTS reports that we have. But uh, in any case, this one's going to have to do for tonight. And uh, flipping to the end of the, it's always hard to find the actual number because there's so much detail in these. Something about limestone things. in there, rock formations. Gosh, that's a lot. Um, okay. Oh, okay. I found it here. Um, uh, the MTS computer officially says it's an eight point three Whoa. on the MTS well, there you scale. Go. So, mustache with scale computer has spoken. Uh, the post rock pills from Free State Brewing Company is officially an eight point three. Wow, that is hard hitting stuff right there. Um, you're not gonna find that on any other podcast. I'll no, tell you you're that not. much. Uh, but you know what? You, you where you will find another arbitrary rating, Brian. It's on beersnob.com. Oh, our friends over at beersnob.com. Yeah, we do like to to uh, talk about them from time to time. We do because they they're like journalists, right? Like you may not like what they report, right? But they keep you honest. Yeah, right. It's yeah. a very fiber of um, uh, American. You know, uh, that's what our country's founded on. Just because they're an inferior rating system, right? To the MTS, we shouldn't really look down on them because you know. Wow, Brian, this is this is crazy, but. They have given the post rock pills 
an 8.26, which is almost identical to our rating. It's almost like they've already heard the podcast and gotten a hold of our MTS report for... uh, See, now I'm getting a little worried. I think... I wonder if uh, maybe maybe you've got some spying going on here. Maybe some data breaches? I don't Mm -hmm. know. Somebody got my email password. (laughs) My iTunes... There's an iCloud breach. We're in. <laughs> We're in the car. <laughs> okay, well, let's hope not, Glenn. Uh, let's hope not, because the MTS computer is, uh, you know, if, God forbid, something happens to gentlemen, we're, we're really riding the coattails of the MTS computer to uh, we really should make get us out of a mess. Yeah, we should, we should put that on tape. <laughs> tape backups. Uh, okay, Glenn, well, let's uh, talk about some interesting posts to gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. And uh, I think we're starting off with a little-known craft brewery named Guinness. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I've heard of these people before, but... They're not domestic, are they? I think they just started very recently. Okay. Um, Irish brewery, apparently, Mm. um, which is weird. I mean, there's not very many Irish breweries. Um, So, anyway, yeah, of course, we're being silly. The Guinness Brewing Company that's been around for the last 250 years... Or so. They're, they're basically I'm making that the modern up. beer that we know. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows what Guinness is. They, they, they decided to open their first U.S. brewery in 64 years. Uh, and so it's kind of noteworthy. They had a, a brewery in the mid-50s that ended up closing down. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But um, this brewery, Guinness and their parent company, this is, in, this is in Maryland, not far from Baltimore and Washington, D.C. Hmm. This brewing company... That owns Guinness put in ninety million dollars to build this new U.S. based brewery, and it's supposed to be kind of like a tourist attraction. Yeah. Basically, they want to attract people to this place. And uh, what's interesting? There's a couple of things that really strike me as interesting about this, and that is that the first thing that the interviewer asked the the, the person that was in charge of this brewery. Are you going to be making your iconic Guinness Stout right. at this facility? And right. he said, no, we're not going to do that. That's really an Irish thing. We're going to keep that in Dublin. And I get that. I, I really get that part of it. But let me let me tell you what instead they're hoping is going to happen. They're going to stick to – they're mostly going to be brewing a blonde lager at this facility. And they're hoping that it will, <laughs> that it will flourish in the U.S. Um. Now, earlier, I was talking about how they closed up their previous brewery in 1954, in the mid-50s, okay? Check this out. Okay. This is pretty weird, but um, <laughs> in the 1950s, they, their, the idea behind their brewery at that time was that they were going to brew their stout at this brewery. But at the time, in the 1950s, Americans' tastes had really changed towards lighter lagers, like Maybe like the blonde lager. Yeah, yeah. So they made that mistake before. <laughs> and so I guess they're not doing that again. But now it seems like people like, you know, not they light like lagers. Everything but lagers. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. So, uh, but the good news is, Glenn, this brewery includes a, it's called the Guinness Experience. Mm. And this includes a large lawn that's shaped like an imperial pint glass. And it's big enough for around 4,000 people to hang out and listen to music. Wow. <laughs> that is a lawn. That's quite a lawn. It's quite that's, a lawn. It's a nice back porch. 
Yeah, so I don't know where all the $90 million went. I guess probably uh, the, I mean, you know, uh, space for 4,000 people is a lot. Yeah. But, uh, you know, probably not in the planning for which beers they're going to be working on there. I'm I'm kind of befuddled by the idea that they're they're mainly going to be brewing a blonde lager there. So I have a theory about this. Okay. Good, I'm glad. Because I'm... stupefied by this well my theory is this i get they can't brew guinness proper at the stout i understand that it makes sense to me i understand that i'm saddened but it it makes sense to me i understand if they had to put this in the northwest like say portland or seattle it'd go over like a turd in a punch bowl because there's no hops there's no hops right the blonde lager Mm -hmm. there's like no hops yep but east coast you know you got your your yinglings you got your uh you know they're more accustomed to loggers. You got your old Milwaukee. Old Milwaukee, exactly. You got your Bud Light. That's right. Your PBR. This will go. This will go right. Yeah, this will go well. Um, I think Guinness is at the point where they just have a name that people are just going to go because it's Guinness. I know. I, I, I'm looking at this and I'm pissed off that they only have a logger, but I would still go. <laughs> oh, I would go. Yeah, I would go. Yeah, <laughs> the space looks amazing. Like, and yeah. actually, I was going to say the other thing too is that the I'm looking at pictures of the interior. And it looks almost identical, just from the pictures I'm seeing, to the new Boulevard like oh, casing really? they have. I'm mm. sure it's on a much smaller scale. Yeah, but it's very similar in how it's set up and structured. But mm. man, yeah, that's so cool. Uh, it's still it's still pretty awesome, even though they don't have. Yeah, and it sounds like you can still get the stout. Yeah, you can still buy the stout. They're still going to have the stout, but it's going to be shipped in from Ireland, right? So Which is it's all right. That's fine. They probably got access to like the better stuff. <laughs> yeah, Not like. The local pub down the street, you know who's... Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there's any difference at all, but the... Um, but yeah, it's it's good. It's good they're opening a brewery here. And maybe the thing with that is, is that the the brewing side of it's going to supply the U.S. with all that lager, basically. Yeah. Instead of shipping it over. So, could be a good reason for it. I hope there is. I wish this fledgling company a good luck. Because Man, it's so hard to be a microbrew these days. I know. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of microbrews, so it's going to be. Get down the street, just open up his garage as a microbrew. I mean, I mean, I I can't imagine Guinness, this company, lasting more than a couple years. I don't know, hundred years, yeah, yeah, a couple hundred wow. more years at most. That is pretty ironic about them closing the U.S. brewery because no. Nobody else. Yeah. That really stuck out to me. Is like, whoa, that's pretty weird. <laughs> These guys got it figured out. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well. Oh, I should mention that that was posted by me. Oh yeah. I didn't mention wow, that. Good I for did. You, I posted that. Um, so I was pretty proud of it, and that's why it's on the gentleman podcast. Well, Brian, let's just talk about something I posted then. Okay, that sounds good. Um, yeah. And this is an article from the BBC. So now we're going back across the pond. We, yeah. we came. Guinness came here. Now we're going back across the pond. It's a very European mm-hmm. um, podcast. That we're very doing. cultured. Uh, from the BBC. And it, the title of the article is called Petrichor. Why does rain smell so good? And I'm going to tell you. I'm, Brian, excited, I'm, exci- I'm excited to hear you explain this to us, Glenn. <laughs> well, I, a- I read through this thing. And there's so many words that I don't understand in this article. Brian, let me help you. All right. <laughs> so... You know, this actually hits close to home because we have been, I don't know if it's technically a drought, but we have had... It's been dry. Very, very, very dry. Haven't had rain in a long time. Last night, we finally got some rain. Mm -hmm. And I went out, and I opened my my door, and I smelled the air, and there is nothing like a summer rain. Like, the smell is just amazing. 
And it turns out there's a chemical reason for that. And it's called petrichor, Brian. Mm. And what happens is, is act, what actually happens is that on dry ground, there's this bacteria that forms. And the bacteria is called petrichor. Okay. And when it, when it gets wet, the damp soil creates a molecule, which is made by a certain type of bacteria. But anyway, that molecule is <laughs> called geosmin. Okay. And... And this is what and this is what we're 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 focused on, right? Geosmin is the byproduct of this bacteria that only happens when dry ground becomes damp, and okay. so it's releasing and this bacteria in the, in the air. Okay. Well, it turns out that perfumers, per, perfumateers, perf, what do you call those guys or or, or gals? People who make perfumes perfumeers, yeah, those guys have yeah. been trying to bottle this up. Okay, and. Over the years. And they've actually kind of gotten pretty close. And they're starting to put it in perfumes and fragrances and things like that. So now you can actually start wearing the smell of a summer rain. Wow. <laughs> Which, that's highly technical. Yeah. I mean, you, there's already Summer Breeze. I could, you know. And, uh, it's a great song. Uh-huh. Um, I could, so I could go out and I could buy a vial of something and then just walk around and smell no, <laughs> it's it's very weird. You'll have to read the article, which we will post on gentlemen podcast dot com. because yeah. I'm sure you're going to want to read about this uh, phenomena, right? And apparently, this geosmin, this bacteria that's created, is uh, common in radishes. Mm. So we don't necessarily like the taste of it; we just like the smell of it. Mm. Well, yeah, I think yeah, I read that that was kind of interesting. They said while the smell is very appealing to people, yeah. That if like they said, it also sometimes appears in wines, yeah, and something else I can't remember, but oh, water! It, it gets in the taste of water, yeah. And it said that if if we taste it in wine or like water, that it uh, it really bothers people. It really changes the taste of it to a unsatisfactory level. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and also what was interesting about this too is not only does it the, the ground hitting the water hitting the ground yep. do something, water hitting plants, yep creates another reaction right where little tiny bits of pieces of plants get kind of thrown, thrown in the, the air. air yeah yeah and then also lightning uh smells like ozone which <laughs> apparently which i didn't know and it clears out the air right and makes it uh fresh from dust and and stuff like that so there's a whole lot of stuff going on that that contributes to all this who knew man nature's crazy who knew all these things we haven't had a rain, like a good rain, you know, but tornado season's coming up. Yeah. Which I'm looking forward to because there's going to be some good rains coming. I, I hope so. Yeah. We've been, we've had a, a dry spell here for a mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so there you go. That's that's what you need to know yep. about Petrichor, Brian. Okay. Um, Thanks for, we're, this is a really informative gentleman <laughs> podcast. Normally we don't uh, have so much educational material. Speaking of education, Brian. Mm-hmm. I have a newsflash. Yeah, this is, is important. Little PSA here, everyone. Yeah. You can't... It's no longer safe to eat your your school uh, materials. Put the crayons down. Put the crayon... Hey, hey, put the crayon down. You can't eat it anymore because this just in... There's asbestos in it. <laughs> and that's not good. No. Um, so... The good people at CBS Los Angeles. Well, first of all, we should say Tony O. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. You're right. I trampled all over that. Tony, Tony O. o. Uh, posted this. Posted this, yeah. 
And um, he's been scouring the local Los Angeles news, I think. Right, yeah. And he thought, this is like, he's like a beat reporter. Yeah. You know? He's, he's digging re- up all the stories. He's but. the beat reporter to the beat reporters. Yeah. <clears throat> and so he's given us a little PSA here about how um, there is a, a a brand, Play School with a K. Uh, Play, School, Play School Crayons uh, recently were tested and were found to have trace elements of asbestos in them. Now, what's interesting that I didn't know um, is that apparently you shouldn't have been eating crayons for like the past five years because uh, a few years ago they did a test and like every type of crayon and marker had asbestos in it. I love I love this quote. <laughs> this, uh, I can't remember. This is from the U.S. Public Interest <laughs> yeah. Research Group. And the quote is, the good news is that when we were testing three years ago, all sorts of brands came back with asbestos. Uh, and this is from the toxics director at the U.S. Public Interest Research Group. Um, now, it's just one. It's just one. Don't worry. There you it's go. It's just one hey, brand of crowns things that are looking has up. asbestos in it. Things are looking up. Yeah, so if you're going to go school shopping... Stay away from, you know, play school brand Crayolas. Yeah. I know I will be. Uh, they're very cheap. They're sold at... Uh, the ones that they found were at Dollar General and I think Costco. Mm-hmm. And apparently they're licensed um, from a third-party company. And so right. the the owners of the crayon brand... Um, right. Hasbro. Hasbro were obviously upset about this and trying to figure it out. Basically, the article is just a series of people, like, passing the buck. Yeah. It goes like, well, Hasbro's like, well, you know, we're going to talk to those people that we license this to. Yeah. And then those people are like, well, we're going to talk to somebody. Us. So they found like a little asbestos in these Are you guys crayons. asking Crayola? <laughs> mm-hmm. But in other news, apparently it's not safe to have, like if you work in an office, you're screwed. Because also along with crayons, um, well, there's some water bottles that had lead. Uh, and these are kids' water bottles. That can't be good. Um, but also, like, uh, um, oh, for example, there's the three-ring binder they found that was made by Jot that uh, had a few side effects, like uh, asthma, obesity, and lower IQ. Stick to Trapper Keepers. That's right. You'll be fine. Stick That's to right. Trapper Keepers. Uh, the bright side of this is, though, that, Glenn, that they tested glue, lunchboxes, spiral notebooks, and rulers, and multiple other types of crowns and pins, and all of them approved to be safe. That's good. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. Just... Some stuff that's terrible. Yeah. Now, I was a big fan of glue. Are we talking about, like, the squeeze glue? Like, the liquid glue? Or are we talking the glue sticks? I would assume the liquid glue. Elmer's. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's just cow hooves, right? I mean... I mean, the horse has got to go somewhere. Right. It's not like they're riding in asbestos and then right. they go to the glue factory. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not. Well, that'd be a weird ride. Okay. Well, uh, thanks, Tony O, for posting that. Great story. Good to know. Yes, because um, you know I might be in the market for some crayons sometime in the future, and now I'll know um, <laughs> well, what to do about that. Yeah. Okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the toast this week, and um, this week, Glenn, uh, we have a very special toast to make towards a friend of the Gentleman Podcast. I like to think. Yeah, I'm sure he's out there listening somewhere. Yeah, we're talking about Sir Patrick Stewart. Patrick, um, and Patrick Stewart. Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart was in the news this week because he's returning to reprise his role as Captain Jean-Luc Picard. One of the greatest Star Trek characters of all time. I'm not a huge Star Trek nuts guy, but... Not a big Trekkie. 
1987 to 1994, I watched a lot of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> yeah. I watched reruns of it. I watched... I mean, it was like my, it was like my show that I watched um, for several years. Um, don't tell anybody. All right. Uh, so anyway... Nobody's listening. Uh, Jean-Luc Picard... Uh, it was, it was a, a, one of my favorites, one of my favorite characters of all time. And so I'm pretty excited that he's, he's back in the hunt, back all over it, and getting back into it. Uh, and that was just announced this week. Apparently there was a Star Trek convention in Los Angeles or something. And so he, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm getting back into it. Now apparently... <coughs> sorry. Now apparently uh, CBS, who owns the rights to the Star Trek franchise... Uh, this is going to be, it says a CBS extra. So I want to say it's like the, I think they have a, a, like a subscription service that you have to buy in order to access like the special content I'm all over it. So, uh, I don't know how much that is per month, but it's basically like an exclusive streaming CBS service. So they're trying to go out and get, it's kind of like Netflix or HBO. Yeah. They're trying to go like create original stuff that's going to buzz, you know, and, and this is one of those things. I don't want to put a downer on on Patrick Stewart's toast here, right? Because uh, you know it, this is all good stuff. I'm just saying CBS probably shouldn't do that. It may not get the traction I that it I would have gotten. How many people are going television. to buy an exclusive to a CBS streaming service? But anyway, look. Not only has Patrick Stewart done a great job with John Luke Picard, which I'm excited about seeing in some shape or form on the yeah. internet at some point. Uh, but he has also done, you know, he's pretty famous for the X-Men Professor roles. X, yeah. Uh, I'm not a big X-Men guy. I don't know much about it. Um, but uh, the other thing that I know Patrick Stewart for is, first of all, for being awesome. Right. Because he, he's kind of been in a lot of stories where he's done really awesome things. We've toasted him before, I think. Uh, we might have. I remember uh, just, uh, I remember reading a story, and I think I posted it on Gentleman.com, where he was given a speech. Yeah. And... Uh, Though some lady broke down in tears because he had he had made a difference, you know some of the things he had talked about had made a difference to her, and he stopped the speech and went over and gave her a hug, you know. It's like a real touching moment. Yeah, he could have just kind of been like, oh, that's great. But yeah, he, he right. Really, yeah, helped her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so he's done some really cool things. Just seems like a really great guy, and uh, he's always got some great, interesting anecdotes. He's had a long career. It's like a thirty-year career, maybe like. Forty year career, he just wonder. Yeah, he looks the same as he did forty yeah. years ago. <laughs> and uh, but I was gonna say one of my favorite roles that he's done is in the nineteen ninety nine version of A Christmas Carol as Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, <laughs> still regarded as maybe there's a lot of versions of this, but they sell, some people say that the nineteen ninety nine version starring uh, Patrick Stewart might be the best. He had hair in that one, didn't he? It's like I don't a know. wig. I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think he did. That was a that yeah. was that was a a weird one. And, yeah, and that's like comparing it to Scrooge with Bill Murray. Yeah, my favorite version is the uh, I no offense to Sir Patrick Stewart. My favorite version is the animated Jim Carrey one. There's an animated Jim Carrey, yeah, version of uh, a Christmas Carol. Yeah, wow, it's pretty I great actually. I I bet it is Jim Carrey as uh, Scrooge. Scrooge. Yeah, I I'm preferable to the Muppets. Christmas okay. Girl. Yeah, but some people say there's like a 1950s version that's supposed to be the the canonical Ebenezer Scrooge, but I prefer the Jim Carrey one. Actually, I, I'm gonna have to watch it now. You should. I would highly recommend it. Wow. So anyway, 
Yeah, wow. we're just throwing out all kinds of nuggets of knowledge on this podcast. Okay, well, anyway, the point is, we're not talking about Jim Carrey, we're talking about Patrick Stewart. Uh, Sir, Ta- Sir Patrick Stewart, looking forward to seeing these uh, new Star Trek episodes. I'm excited Somehow. about this. Brian and I so, are going to split a membership. I will, yeah. I don't know. I'm not paying CBS a dime. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> um, but fortunately, on the interconnected network, sometimes you're able to access stuff that are supposed to be exclusive and they turn out not to be exclusive. So. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, well, a toast to uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. To Sir Patrick. Welcome back, yes, my friend. It's been too long. And I say, make it so. <laughs> uh, okay, Glenn. <laughs> okay, Glenn. Yes. Okay, Glenn. That means it's time for the... Um, Hot body Top Topic. Uh, and this week, Glenn, there's a, uh, there was a service. I don't know if it's still around, because it's been a few days. <laughs> That's true. I don't know it's, if it's still it's, there's There's a lot of trauma going on with this thing right now. Yes. Yes. I, I, we, this could, mid-podcast, this thing could explode. Uh, but there was a service called MoviePass. And uh, for those of you who don't know, MoviePass is a little app that you could download. You pay uh, what more recently was $10 a month. And the idea is that you could see as many movies in the movie theaters as you wanted to. Yeah. Um, this didn't work out too well. <laughs> Who would have seen that coming? <laughs> because uh, actually what was crazy was that this company um, decided it would be a good idea to go ahead and do this price level, this price point, and pay movie theaters full price for the movie tickets that they were selling. Uh, I don't know how they arrived at this decision, but basically, if you do the math on that, let's say you're, you know, average person that's paying ten bucks a month for this service, you're probably going to go see a movie every weekend, and or so every other weekend, yeah. So you know, and tickets cost between ten and sixteen dollars, depending on what market you're in. Yeah. So you could be, uh, you know, the company could be out hundreds of dollars per month per person. Based on how how active somebody is going through. Anyway, the point is, uh, this service has been around since 2012, but it's been through several iterations. In fact, when they started, I believe that they were charging something like $30, and it was two movie, three movies a week or, or something like that. There was some restriction on it, and it gradually got less and less and less to the point where no one was using it, no one was using it, and then an analytics company bought it. This analytics company, I can't remember what they're called. But they purchased the company in 2016 and appointed a new CEO, and the new CEO said, okay, we're going to try all these different price points, and they finally decided on 995, and they were banking on huge growth, which they got. It, the service exploded. Right. Uh, but the problem was that led to exorbitant bills. Right. And uh, it was, I think it was two weeks ago that they had to take out an emergency $5 million loan right. to like... Literally keep the app working so yeah. that they could pay movie theaters so that they wouldn't shut down their service because people were going to see Mission Impossible 2 or something, right? And, or Mission Impossible 7 or whatever it is. And it's supposed uh, to be great, by the way. I, I don't know. Anyway, the point is that, like, on a Friday night, basically bankrupted the company. Yeah. So, anyway, Glenn. Uh, I know that you're for MoviePass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Huge proponent of MoviePass. Let me tell you why, Brian. MoviePass is the American dream, right? It's like the smorgasbord of movies. Right. It's like a buffet. It's it's 
it's six ninety five prime rib. That's right. All you can eat. <laughs> um, but but the thing is though, it's better than a buffet because you go so like somewhere that has uh, all you can eat prime rib six ninety five. Yeah, the prime rib is not going to be very good, <laughs> right? <laughs> These movies are great. Like they're yeah. they're movies. They're they're, they're, they're they're all great movies. It's not like there's a, a, a throttle to the type of movie that you can have. Right. It's all movies. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And I actually heard about they had a sale or something towards the end of last year, and it was like you sign up for Movie Pass. I think it was like seven dollars a month, or like if you pay in advance for. Yeah, it was something ridiculous, which makes sense because they needed cash. Yeah, so they're probably anyway to cover their butts. But mm-hmm. uh, not here, they were there. It's still a great service, and uh, I'm quite surprised that they're going under because yeah. shocking. It's it's uh, they got the I'm. Um, it seemed like a sound business model. It really did. Paying more mm-hmm. uh, than the cost of a movie. Right. Than the cost of one movie when you could go see like 50. Mm-hmm. But didn't they also impose some other throttles too? Like you could only go, you couldn't go on weekends anymore. So it's only like weekday movies now. They, no, they did. They started out by saying, we're going to raise the price to $15 and we're going to, like the like the newest new release stuff you may not be able to catch okay so you still be able to catch it but just not when it's super popular which makes sense kind of but i think if you were like reading between the lines they're basically still having to pay full price on stuff they're just making it harder for people to see the movies yeah so that maybe somebody defers it and then doesn't go see the movie but now they're saying which is good yeah now they're saying 9.95 a month and max of three movies a month which is still a steal. Still a good deal. Uh, the the article, one of the articles I read about it was somebody that was in the New York market, and he was like, "Going to a movie cost me sixteen dollars. So yeah. if I pay nine ninety five a month and I see one movie a month, I'm already month. making money, you know, or I'm already saving money. Yeah, um, one every six weeks. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why it's a great service. Now, Brian, why, why, how can you be against this? Uh, you company? know, that's a good question, Glenn. And here's why you're wrong. Uh, they spent all their time and effort on trying to figure out how to structure their payment thing, not trying to solve problems and make the company great for users. In order, in addition to the fact that they were start, like starting to add these limitations into things, uh, you know, you can't go see this movie this weekend. You can't do it. Uh, in addition to all that stuff, there was also problems like. For most of the life of the service, you couldn't do IMAX movies or like special, the Dolby special, you know, thing. And that was like what movie, you know, if some great movie was coming out, people wanted to go see that and they couldn't do it. Hmm. Also, major chains like AMC um, and some of the other, you know, big players in the movie industry initially didn't even allow them to do, to use their service. Their Um, loss. And then... It wasn't until they agreed to pay full price for tickets, I think, that they actually got into the AMC service. So, um, it wasn't a great experience for users no matter how you dice it. The only thing it was doing was trying to... It was basically like a dog and pony show. So, basically, they would say 10 bucks a month, and they were just hoping that they would get such critical mass that they right. could flip a switch, and they'd be so big of a company that... This is like a classic. This is like a class. This is a great metaphor for every uh, yeah. startup yeah. that's ever been around ever. Yeah. 
You're hoping to be Facebook. You're hoping to be Netflix. Right. You're hoping to be all these things. We'll get funding. We'll get we'll funding. Fun. It'll all work out. Don't worry about it. I remember I read an article about this about six months ago. And uh, our local cinema, well, at the time, the CEO said uh, of movie of movie pass okay said everything's fine everything's fine it's fine we got we got investors they're all excited about it everything's fine we got plenty of money this is all gonna work out we're you know we're making money by selling data about our users wink you know and uh all this stuff (laughs) and uh which i'm fine with we know (laughs) as a movie pass customer (laughs) anyway flash forward about four months I walk into our local cinema, Liberty Hall. Liberty Hall is a mom and pop, local, 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 independent yeah. movie place. It's like uh, I don't know whether you it's know, like Empire Records. It's like Empire Records, <laughs> except it's a, except it's a local movie yeah. uh, palace. They play two movies a week there. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a it's just it's, fantastic. It's as independent as you can get, locally owned, whatever. Point is. Um, I was standing in there, and I realized that the people in front of me, first of all, they were like 65 years old. Okay. Second of all, they walked up, and they were like, oh, we have movie pass. And the the guy said, okay, uh, well, did you did you log into the app? And the lady was like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this whole back and forth with them, and I was, I was really blown away, because I couldn't believe that my local independent cinema yeah. was starting to take movie pass i was like wow these people really have jumped the shark you know because the local theaters is taking them as a valid pass to get in their movie theater so i mean they're really pulling out all the stops if they're signing on liberty hall to be uh, on right. the list of to get know. five people yeah to use it yeah seriously uh so anyway i thought that was pretty crazy i feel like anytime you know the bitcoin thing Right. Anytime you start hearing people talk about it that shouldn't be talking about it. Brian, I have Bitcoin. Oh, you do. Yeah, it's a great investment. Uh, Anytime you start hearing people talk about it and they shouldn't be talking about it. Right. Like when the the person that shows up at the store doesn't know how to log into an app. Right. Whoa, there's a problem there. Right. You know? Um, So anyway, I thought that was interesting. But but yeah, I, I don't anticipate them being in business for too much longer. But Glenn, let me tell you something. On some level, I agree with you. Because, because the article that I read about uh, MoviePass actually said that they were ahead of their time. And now, movie chains like AMC have started their own subscription service. Yep. Movie chains like Draft House, yep. Cinema, the Alamo Draft House have started their own subscription service. Um, so they're seeing the, the road that MoviePass laid in front of them, which is a great idea, which is get more people... To come into the movie theater and they'll buy popcorn. Right. They'll buy drinks. They'll buy soda. You know. Right. So if you make the movies cheap enough, you know, right. on a subscription service and you know they're coming back. Right. You're going to make more money. My brother-in-law, I think, uses AMC's. Yep. He lives in Kansas City. Yep. AMC's actually a Kansas City. Well, they're they're headquartered out of Kansas City. I don't know if they start in Kansas City, but he's part of the, you know, he gets like a free movie every now and again. Oh, sure. Uh, anyway, it was... Yeah, it's kind of a cool. If you if you go to movies a lot, it's a cool idea. Well, it's good to. I mean, they're, they're struggling to figure out how to get people to come to movies right. because there's so much competition with people's own living rooms. Right. If there was a great theater in town, not great, pretty good. Our theater sucks. Not Liberty Hall. Right. We have a, a Regal Cinema. I mean, we have a 
I'm not going to uh, name the cinema. What's another what word for it? legal? <laughs> pompous cinema. Yeah, we have a pompous cinema <laughs> in town, and it sucks. It's terrible. Yeah. I would never subscribe to anything from them. No. But if we did have a really good, you know, like say an AMC, maybe just a six theater or something, you know, AMC six, and it was great. I would pay the the subscription fee. Yeah. If it was like 20 bucks a month and I could go to as many movies as I want. You know what I would pay for, Brian? What's that? I'd pay for a subscription, subscription fee that was like you get two tickets once a month for 10 bucks every month. Yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. Because I right now I go to movies twice a year with my wife. Like yep. that's basically all I go to the yep. movies. But I would go every month. Yep. And while they wouldn't make their – and eventually they would make their money. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, if you show up, they make money on the concessions. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Well, not if your wife has a purse, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, also there's the fact that sometimes people just won't go. Yeah. If you have two tickets, like, oh, we've, we forgot to go to the movies this month. Right. You know? But then they still have their money, so maybe they make that up over time. That's right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, yeah. I know. So the thing that's crazy about this whole movie pass thing is that they, they, they waited until the very last, absolute last second to do this. And that's the main criticism is that before it got to the point where they were almost bankrupt, they should have restructured the pricing plan to make it, you know. And it's not that hard to say, look, guys, we tried, but this, this thing isn't going to work out unless we all – Right. Understand that there has to be some limitations here. You know, everybody's got to do their part here. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they got yeah. a big enough customer base. Maybe they can pull something like that off. The, yeah, but the thing is, is that their company is based on greed, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like ten dollars for as many movies as it, it's buffet, right? That the whole buffet model is based on greed. Can you imagine how many movies so many people, some people went? They said like eighty-five percent of the people only went to a few, but then fifteen percent. Went to a lot. Which which tells them. <laughs> yeah. I can just imagine. You know, can you imagine some 15-year-old kid? Like, I'm going to go to movies all day. All day, man. Summertime when yeah. they don't have school? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I'm going to spend all day, this this whole week, at the movie theater. The 10-year-old I'm gonna to see like every movie. 21-year-old <laughs> yeah. demographic yeah. probably just sunk them. Yeah. I'm going to see every Yeah. I'm going to see Mission Impossible <laughs> 10 times yeah. this week. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I'm sure that that's actually happened. Ugh. Well, anyway, Glenn. Well, what a terrible company! I am no, very no, anti. No, I, I, I feel pass. I feel that they're going to pull through. This is a sound concept. Yeah, I think their stocks were seven cents right now. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Dead serious. I didn't know they're a publicly traded company. Yeah, their their parent company is the analytics company. Ooh, Ooh. Ooh. So it might drag down the drag down the uh, ship. The tugboat, the tugboat's dragging down the ship. What kind of, what what kind of data can you get? I'm, I'm, other than like credit card and like, you can't get spending data. They said they had location stuff. Oh, location based stuff. Yeah, like what they were doing, what they were doing before they came to the movie. It sounded so sketchy. My thing about that was that the CEO was like, he didn't want to come out and say what they were using to sell, like what data they're selling. But we're an analytics company. But we're an analytics <laughs> company. But, but he was being all weird about it. Like, well, we know what where they came from to go to the movie theater. We know, what, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, 
What? So the you know people that go to McDonald's are gonna buy go see Mission Impossible Seven. You know, maybe they will. Well, I'm just saying, like, well, how, how valuable that is that to anyone, really? I mean, I guess if you're doing it in large numbers, it might be. Maybe if you're making another movie, you say if everybody came from McDonald's and went to see Mission Impossible, not when you're shedding tens of millions of dollars a month, <laughs> right. In fees, I, I, I know. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. And that's why we're starting Gentleman Pass. That's right. Gentleman <laughs> Pass is a service where, uh, look, here's out here. Um, uh, Nine ninety five a month, and you get unlimited tax. Right. Post as much as you want. Post as much. Look at as want. much as you want. Yep. Read as much as you want. Listen to everything we've clicked on as many links yep. as you want. Yep. You get full access to our entire archive of the Gentleman Podcast, all one hundred and forty episodes. Which is a, which is a steal. It, it's a yeah. It's an amazing deal. Brian, you didn't tell him the best part. For five dollars more, fourteen ninety nine a month. Yep. Brian and I will send you a animated GIF every day. <laughs> In your email. Yes. And it'll Personally. be inspirational. Yeah. And it might not make sense, but we'll send you one every day. That's right. That's true. Yeah. So so fifteen dollars a month, the uh the uh gentleman pass. I'd look into it. <laughs> we gotta find a book catching your name with that. Uh yeah, gentle gentle pass. Yeah, I don't know. Well that's we'll, sounds... we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on the we'll work on the, the name. Kind of weird. Yeah, we 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 kind of we took some inspiration from somewhere else, and anyway, or maybe we'll we'll take a hard pass on it, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that means uh, that means it's time for the final segment of the Gentleman Podcast this week, and that means it is time for the questions from the Gentleman Mailbag. And that question is: I read an article in the, I believe it was USA Today when I when I found it. Something like that. Some news outlet. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. I read that HGTV was bidding on the original Brady Bunch house yep. because they wanted to restore it to its original glory. I don't know what they're going to do with it. It's a great publicity stunt for yeah. HGTV. They won the bid. They got the house. They're going to they're gonna re- remodel it to make it 1970s awesome. Um, so the point is, Glenn, uh, we started talking about, well, what, uh, what house... From a movie or television show, would you want to get a hold of? What would be your dream house to get a hold of from uh, from television or movies? I have two, Brian. I have I have first place and then runner up. Okay. Okay. First place. I saw this movie when I was four or five, and it has stuck with me my entire life. Okay. This is big. Yeah. Swiss Family Robinson. Oh wow! I don't think I've ever seen that. Okay, well, it's set in some... I don't actually know where it's set, but this family is stranded. Okay. And so, what do they do? They build a wicked, awesome tree house. <laughs> and this huge tree. And there's, like, multiple rooms, and it's connected, and there's a drawer. It's amazing. So, mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, I saw that. I tried to, like, recreate it in our backyard... Seems to be not as many trees. It was daunting. Yeah. It was a daunting task. Right. It didn't go very well. But when you're that old, you can kind of fill yeah. the blanks with your mind. Right. So I had my own treehouse-ish kind of thing. Cool. And, uh, but yeah. I just wanted a treehouse when I was a kid. Oh, man. Yeah, that's like every kid's dream. I'll, I'll, yeah, so Swiss Family Robinson would be my first place. But if I couldn't do that, if I wanted something a little bit more practical, the Goonies house. It's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, in the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh the name of the town is, of course, escaping me right now. Astoria? Astoria, yes. Yeah. Astoria, Oregon. Right. Uh, beautiful area, mm-hmm. but I just like the the fact that it'd be the Goonies house. 
for no other reason than that it's not a great house. <laughs> the only problem with that is the foot traffic. Right. You know? Uh, right. Right. So you'd have to have a 24-hour... Right. Goonies guard. Look, look. Wha- Chunk? Yeah. Chunk, look. <laughs> I know you want to revisit your past and all that, yeah. but you're going to have to leave my lawn. Get the tent and get out of here. Do the truffle shuffle first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. See you next week. Data. Data. Yeah. That's a good choice. Mm-hmm. Good choice. What about you, Brian? I, have a, I also had a few. Okay. And let me, let me tell you about them, okay? Um, so my mind first went to... A little movie called The Big Lebowski. And in yes. the movie The Big Lebowski, there is a character named Gene Triplehorn. Yep. And uh, he has a house that's actually a real house. And uh, it's been in a few different movies. It's a very modern style house that's set around a pool. And it's like glass encased. You know, furniture's all particular and all this stuff. Anyway, it turns out that's a very famous L.A. house. And it is called... The Sheets Goldstein House. And apparently it's owned by a guy named Goldstein. And it was originally, I think, built for a family uh, named the Sheets. And this guy, Goldstein, the the Sheets got it. And it was designed by an architect named John Lautner. And it used to be kind of like a little bit different back in the day. Because basically what happens with these custom houses is these architects build them. And then a family lives in them. And they figure out oh, this doesn't work or this isn't great or whatever. And uh, in the in the movie The Big Lebowski, you can see that the entire living room is encased in glass. Yeah. And I, reading the, about the house, I found out that actually, surprisingly, when it was originally built, there was no glass around it at all. The idea being that L.A.'s, you know, warm enough most of the time, but sometimes it gets cold. And so they they, manu- they, they created something that blew, was supposed to blow hot air into a room with no glass uh, anyway, point is, they found out that didn't work. This guy, Goldstein, there's a couple of different owners, and then Gold, this guy, Goldstein, bought it. And he said he has spent the last 30 years restoring every part of the house and making it livable. You know, He added glass around there to make it more practical and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But he said even like all the furniture is custom-made. Even the stitching on the furniture was particularly paid attention to to make it fit within the house the best way it possibly could and the coolest part is mr goldstein has now uh donated it to a local uh preservation society wow to to make it a public thing that people can go tour and check out um so anyway that was a cool one but the problem with this is that hey if this is gonna be my house it's in la i don't like la right I mean, you no offense live, if you're in L.A., but I, it's not my town. You don't live in a glass house. Not, not, not my town. I'm more of a Midwest guy, right? Right, right, right. You know? Okay, so then I started thinking, okay, well, what Midwest house would I get? Right. Uh, well, that immediately made me think of Cameron's house from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yep. Uh, Cameron's Chicago. house. Yeah, just outside of Chicago, off in the woods. Um, so I, I read up on this house, and apparently that place is called the Ben Rose House, and it was designed by... A. James Spear. Wow. Spire. Um, problem with that is that it's, <laughs> in, problem. it's in Chicago, and apparently the construction of it, the way they built it, it sits out over a cliff. Yeah. Not too much unlike the house that I have, <laughs> right? honestly. Uh, but the thing is, I read about the house, and they said that the way it was constructed, with the glass sides and all that stuff, it's in Chicago. So, in the winter, the hottest they could get it was 52 degrees. 
Seriously? Seriously. Because wow. of the wind that would blow underneath the house. Oh, just because of the, the cliff. And, the, the, you know, and the, all, all the windows and all that stuff. And they couldn't get it to... They tried several things and they couldn't get it to be... So, space, space heaters? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, whatever it takes, you know. Uh, so anyway, that that was on the market a couple years ago, actually. And I think we might have posted a, a story we, yep. about it. And it went down... I think it was like 2.1 and it went all the way down to 1 million or something because no one... Wa- it was... It's all broken down and you can't heat it. And, you know, fortunately, some like a lot of people wanted to buy it to tear it down and build something else there. Uh, but fortunately, they found some people that were that are rebuilding it right now they're rebuilding it and they're adding a garage underneath the house hopefully to stop that problem of of the issue they said it's gonna it's you're not gonna be able to see it it's gonna be kind of tucked away under the house but it should help with that um that issue interesting point is i can't live in a house that only gets up to 52 degrees (laughs) so i gotta find someplace else to go live right uh so then i finally realized that the house for me is in a little town called Columbia in Columbus, Indiana. Still, still in right the Midwest. The Midwest. Yeah. And uh, this is called the Miller House, and it is architect is one of the I think one or one of the two or three houses that were actually designed and architected by Aerosarinen. Aerosarinen is the the famous architect, famous American architect, one of the most famous American architects. He designed the St. Louis Arch. Okay, and a lot of Really incredible buildings. The TWA um, Center at JFK Airport, oh, okay. which was used by TWA, it was like the, that crazy modern yeah. airport. Thing. That was that was him as well. Uh, and he's done, I think, probably fifty or sixty major buildings. You know, but uh, only one or two houses. And he built a house in Columbus, Indiana, for a couple. And uh, it's fe- it's featured in a movie called Columbus. So I'm kind of cheating there because <laughs> the movie's called Columbus. It's about that town of Columbus, and uh, it's a uh, anyway. It's a beautiful house. Wow! Almost every every room has a skylight to let natural light in instead of you know using light fixtures. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting properties about the house, and Aero Serenin's probably one of my two favorite uh, architects of all time. Wow! So uh, so anyway, that would definitely be the one. So I went through a journey to find. Where where my house will be? Have you seen the someday. movie Columbus? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I actually own it. What's it about? It's a weird. It's a hard to explain. Okay. Columbus, Indiana, is actually kind of a mecca for architecture, which is really weird. It's a tiny town in the middle yeah. of Indiana, uh, but Aerosarinen and a few other architects built a lot of the buildings and wow. places there. So it's like a lot of architecture stuff. Um. A lot of architects go there and see these buildings and tour them, and it's a big, big. That's thing. cool. So, anyway. go check that out next time. I'm in Indiana, Columbus, Indiana. Yeah. yeah. Well, I drive through Indiana to go see family, so it, it would be worth a stop. There's they, they have a whole tour you can go through and see the different buildings, and they're all pretty incredible. So that'd be fun. Some of the most famous architects did you know banks there and wow and stuff. So there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff there. But anyway, uh, so yeah, the Miller House, uh, it will be mine eventually. <laughs> All right, good to know. <laughs> I'm just calling my shot. Okay, Glenn. Well, that's enough about uh, famous movie houses. Wow, uh, we learned so much in this episode, Glenn. I Gosh. learned so much. I know how to pour, pour beers now. You know why? Be- what, what, you know, you know why rain smells. So I know good. why rain. Yeah, I know so much more. You know what, what? I really like about that beer trick. Yeah, is that I'm gonna go do that in front of somebody, and I'm gonna see him be like, <laughs> Yeah, you don't know how to pour beer. 
I'm like, listen up. <laughs> I know a beer sommelier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I happen to be a beer sommelier. Uh, I'll, and... I'll, I'll pull it up for you, Brian. We'll, we'll watch the video together. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, good to know. Okay, Glenn. Well, we're going to finish up this episode while we watch this video. Right. Uh, I'm Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Sansbury. Thanks, everybody, for listening to episode 141. We'll be back in two weeks for episode number 142. Good night. Stay thirsty, friends.